And honestly, Casey, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I had thoughts in my head, but growing up in southeastern Idaho, particularly at that time, the Mormon church taught my friends who taught me that people who are gay are mentally ill and that they're going to outer darkness and outer darkness in the Mormon church is the equivalent of hell. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. Um, today I, I, I have this privilege of speaking with my friend Brandon. Um, Brandon, I, we, we go back a long ways, but we don't go deep. So in fact, you probably know my wife Jessica far better than you know me, right? So Probably. <laughs> yeah, you guys. Yeah. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> we met at a certain point in in life and your journey through, you know, a running program. And then you kind of exploded through there. And then we've, you know, I've mostly stayed in touch with you through, you know, social media, Facebook, and kind of followed your journey of, you know, as much as you've, you know, put out there, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but having this opportunity, you know, just knowing a little bits about your story, having this opportunity to fully hear your story, I, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. So thank you. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, today I just, I really want to just kind of dive into, to you. Um, and so, uh, you know, some of the lenses that, uh, that you shared is that you are a gay man, mm-hmm. um, and that, uh, you are identifying, I, I thought this was kind of interesting cause you know, you, you identified your lens a little differently than some others have, but, um, that, you know, that you're a, you're an individual, a, a growing leader, um, an empath, um, and then, you know, a couple other things too. But one of the things that, that really grabbed me was when you talked about your, your passion and, uh, but you know, like the, like the main thing that you stated was just building a meaningful life, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, shit, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty great passion. You know, a lot of people say, yeah. oh, I want to accomplish this or I want to do whatever <laughs> else. And you're, I'm like, no, no, that's, that's probably way more meaningful. <laughs> you know? So talk about you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was born uh, in southeastern Idaho in Pocatello in 1981. Um, <laughs> right on. My, you know, I had a fun childhood, um, but it's a little different than how some other people mm-hmm. grew up. Um, my parents divorced when I was one, okay. and I lived with my mom and my sister until I was about and uh, I was a lot to handle as a kid and (laughs) my mom couldn't handle both kids Hmm. and so she sent me to live with my dad and my stepmom but my sister stayed with her Hmm. and when I look back uh, in life I always think that that was a an odd move to separate siblings but I wasn't in my parents shoes at that time and and I made the best decision they could Uh, so I grew up after age four as kind of a single child for a while, um, only child. Uh, so I moved to Blackfoot, Idaho for about a year, went to kindergarten and my dad's job transferred him to Southern California and lived in the middle of the desert. Wow. For You're getting years. around, getting around. He's a truck driver. Okay. Uh, so we lived just really rural Southern dry California. So real um, quick, real, you know, you, yeah. you, you know, your parents, when you were born, we're in Pocatello. 
I, yes. I know Pocatello is a pretty religious community. So were your parents mm-hmm. religious or? No. Okay. So I come from a, um, well, basically no, from a non-religious family. Okay. Um, a little bit later in my story, I'm going to tell you about when I started going to the Episcopal church with my grandmother who was religious. Okay. But at this point in my life, I had no idea what religion was. Okay. Well, I didn't know what God was. I didn't, didn't know any of that at that, that age. Okay. I think I was baptized as a baby, but I, you know, didn't, didn't you, stick. You didn't quite so, remember it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I moved to Southern California. I went to junior high school. The economy crashed. My dad's job mm. uh, sent him to Denver. Uh, my stepmom had to sell our home down there. So she actually sent me back to live with my mother where I did started junior high school in Pocatello. Okay. Pocatello is a very religious community. Um, uh, predominantly LDS. Yeah, Mormon. LDS is what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, so to enter that world in the sixth grade into a world where almost everybody knows all the same religious scripture, same ideology, yeah, yeah. to be the outsider was just a this immediate kind of shock of like, where where have I, where have I been? Yeah. Um, but I knew my family wasn't religious and. I didn't really have a yearning to be religious. So I just kind of tried to blend in Mm. um, so that I could have friends and do my own thing uh, and never try to make it a big deal that I, that I wasn't Mormon or or religious. I think I talked to my grandma about it at some point and she said, well, Brandon, you can go to church with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) I thought that's early on Sunday. (laughs) and I've always been a, a big guy, big kid. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll take you to Arctic Circle, which is this famous fast oh, yes. food yeah, yeah, yeah. chain in Southern Idaho. I'm sure it's around other places, but she said, we'll get a milkshake and onion rings after church if you'll go with me. So <laughs> that I'm sold. Yeah. So I went. Right on. And so for, for, a, for a good, probably two or three years, I went almost every Sunday to the Episcopal Church mm. with my grandma. And my sister joined sometimes too. And I went through confirmation classes and, you know, so I am. So a, yeah, you, a, I mean like all in. I'm yeah. Yeah. Official Episcopalian, I think on, on the books. Okay. Um, and then through the Episcopal church, I was introduced to a summer camp in McCall, Idaho called Paradise Point, which I know you have roots in McCall as well. Gorgeous. And McCall is now yeah. my spiritual number one place on earth. Because from the time I went there, when I was in the seventh grade, I spent most summers until I was 27 <laughs> in McCullough wow. at that camp. Um, Good but, grief. Uh, I mean, almost, yeah, all those years. Yes. Every so year. every summer I went as a camper for multiple years. And then I went as a counselor, a junior counselor, and then a counselor. Wow. And then program staff. And eventually I became the program director. Um, so I did not the, know that, that piece of it. That's kind of, <laughs> yeah. So I was the program director wow. of a Christian summer camp. Okay. Now, if anybody knows the Episcopalians, they know that they're really lax. <laughs> they have a liturgical service mm-hmm. and they have very formal traditions. But in my understanding and my observations and, and knowledge of the religion, it's a very open-minded, mm-hmm. uh, progressive church. Yeah. And the motto of the church is, um, the Episcopal Church welcomes you. I mean, it is that generic and that basic yeah. because it's to speak to everybody. Right. 
and the vibe of the church camp was always like that. It was just cool. It was fun. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we sang church songs and we prayed before every meal and we took communion, uh, I think two or three times in, in each camp session. Uh, so you fully, at this point, you, you not just an Episcopalian, but you would consider yourself a, a full Christian at this point. I did, but I got to say, Casey, that even though I was, I was more living for the opportunity to be around amazing people than I did in a belief in an ideology. Mm. It was much more mm. about community for me and being surrounded by just wonderful and kind people. But I have to tell you, when I was a kid sitting in church, pews, hard wooden pews, yeah. that's, that was the church I grew up in. And we'd sit in the back. I think my grandma always just wanted to sit in the back. And I remember seeing the back of everybody's heads. And I remember thinking, are they all just going through the motions like me? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't really believe yeah. what I'm hearing. Because what I was taught in confirmation is that, you know, if you really believe, you know, the body and the blood are the sacrament of Christ. And I just never believed it yeah. and I didn't feel anything special. And I, I wanted to, I mean, I always thought like faith is this amazing and wonderful thing that, that comforts people when they need it and gives them hope and inspiration, but you can't just make yourself have it. Right. You can't just say, Oh, I want that. So now I have it. Like right. it, to me, like, no, I'm not going to convince myself mm. of something because it's convenient. I want it to be real. And it was just never real. Mm. So eventually I kind of stopped the church piece, but I didn't stop the church camp piece because that was just, that was incredible. My life. I loved it. Yeah. I had friends from all over the country. That was way different than hard pews. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was lakes and boats and canoeing yeah, right. and water skiing. And yeah. I mean, Art, uh, arts and crafts. It was just, it was just a blast. And then just like my fellow counselors were just amazing people who mm. helped shape my beliefs and my view of the world. And it was through love and compassion. And, mm. and I would say a lot of the staff weren't, weren't Christian either. They were good people who were mm. willing to live in a Christian environment and um, teach good things and make sure kids have a fun, safe time for the summer. And I think one of the philosophies, it was never really spoken, but one of the philosophies was, you know, these kids get um, scripture and regimen and order every Sunday of their life. Like at camp, let's free flow a little bit. And um, that's not to say we didn't have organized programs, but it just wasn't hardcore. I got to say, man, I, what you're describing, I'm like, are you, are you sure you're talking about a, a denomination of Christianity? Because <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm thinking about my growing up, and I, and I grew uh -huh. up in, in mostly non-denominational, you know, uh -huh. or, you know, yeah, free-flowing would be one way to put it, um, kind of stuff. And it's just like, this is like foreign to me. I mean, it's mm -hmm. what you're talking about right now. Um, yeah, I think the appeal for, for the Episcopal Church to people is that it blends the respect and tradition of of religion and and christianity yeah. with the ability to view the world through a more current lens hmm. um so i don't know talk to another episcopalian and see if i'm off my rocker but i i remember as i kind of left the church life and 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 just kind of formally declared that i'm not christian and i don't have faith yeah uh, that's the Episcopal Church is pretty darn cool. Yeah, yeah. Pretty darn cool. It was a great experience on its own, 
mm-hmm. whether you whether you bought in or not. It was yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was so producing something end, of of great value. Yeah, yeah. There was a proper reckoning, I think, at the end. It wasn't very pleasant, but it happened, and it was for the good, I guess. But there was a um, a bishop from Southern Idaho who came up to kind of do a check-in on the camp mm. and she interviewed all the staff, kind of a 360 evaluation of the, of the whole camp. And she sat down with me and she was asking about the program. And I said, well, the program is pretty much similar program to what it's been for the last 12 years. Yeah. Um, and I had only been the program director one time. So there were you know plenty of other people who had endorsed this, you know, style of camp and curriculum that is sure. loose and lets people uh, explore their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kind of boiled it down to, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And do you believe this? And I said, well, if you're putting me on the spot, not really, but here's how I've learned to be comfortable sharing why these things are good mm. in the world and making sure kids have a fun, safe time at this camp. And she said, Brandon, you're probably not a good fit for this role because it is a Christian camp mm. and you're not really Christian. Mm. I said, well, you know, nobody's ever put it that straightforward, yeah. but it's been a nice end, couple of decades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I was a little hurt yeah. by that conversation, yeah, but at yeah. the same time I understood her perspective. Um, and it was already at a time in my life where I wasn't going to be coming back anymore. I was, uh, I had just come home from the Peace Corps, hmm. which I skipped around there a little yeah. bit, but I just come home from Peace Corps and about to go to grad school. And so it was a, it was a good separation time. Hmm. But uh, so I'll fast forward through a couple chapters so I don't bore anybody. Uh, after middle school in Pocatello, my dad moved back to Blackfoot and I moved there okay. and lived there for all of high school. Okay. As soon as I graduated Blackfoot, small Blackfoot, town, Blackfoot, yeah. small town yeah. country, yeah. very conservative, even more LDS than Pocatello. Yeah. But I found a cool group of friends and who, uh, some of them were LDS and some of them weren't, but, uh, we had a good time yeah. and high school was really fun. I was I thought I was in love a few times. Um, I definitely was influenced to convert to Mormonism multiple times. Mm. And I think uh, a couple of times I thought about it, but I always knew that like, I'm just doing this because of peer pressure, not sure. because it, it really means it to me. Um, my yeah. parents really encouraged me to, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say not to, not to leave too far ahead in your story or take it somewhere that you're not, you know, you're, you don't yeah. want to take it, but are you out at this point in time? Like no. when you say fall in love, I mean, so uh, a, a girl, okay. a girl in high school. Because I was going to say, um, I couldn't imagine that in no, 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 Blackfoot, no, not at all. conservative, high LDS. Yeah. You know? <laughs> not allowed. Yeah. No, there was, there was a, a girl from high school who just, we were super close friends. We were partners on the debate team. We spent a lot of time together. And looking back, I think I, I confused my desire to be in a relationship like so many of my peers were. Yeah with the affection that a friend was giving me. And I think I confused that and and kind of, kind of, you know, fell in high school love. Yeah. Um, But my parents really encouraged me to get out of Southeastern Idaho for, for college. And so I moved up to Moscow, Idaho, went to U of I, Mm. uh, really active in school, still not out at this point. Um, Still, and honestly, Casey, I didn't know. I I didn't know. I mean, I had thoughts in my head, but growing up in southeastern Idaho, you know, uh, particularly at that time, you know, 
the Mormon church taught my friends who taught me that people who are gay are mentally ill and that they're going to outer darkness and outer darkness in the Mormon church is the equivalent of hell. And not afraid to talk about it. I mean, not afraid. To, no, yeah. no, very, very yeah. out there, yeah. very out there. Just, just, and, 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 and it was, that was about gay people, but there were lots of things that sure. you can't do in the Mormon church that if you do it, you're out there. Yeah. You're in outer darkness. So I had those thoughts and I just remember thinking, I'm never going to acknowledge this to myself or anybody else. This is here, but it's not here. I'm never going to acknowledge it. And I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to hide this mental illness. Mm. And that's it. That was my result. Okay, you're saying you you there was a part of you that actually bought that 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 there was a part of you that was mentally ill with those thoughts. I fully believed that what I heard was the truth. That somewhere in a psychology book. I mean, I was 14 wow. years old. I was yeah. 14, you know, from Blackfoot. I, yeah. I didn't know, mm. and I just thought, okay, so I'm mentally ill, but I can't ever let anybody know it. So I just have to shove this down in and live. And I convinced myself that I didn't want that and that I yeah. wanted to have a girlfriend and marry a woman. And, and so I think there was some seeking of those things as well. Um, but without the right feelings in your person, that, that those relationships, you know, the love or the sex or whatever people in their teens do right. to show that they're in a relationship that it never, it never came to fruition for me because it, it just was a, a fake concoction of blending in. Yeah. Um, but I don't want anybody to think that I didn't have a great time in high school. Like I, I learned social skills. I honestly, I think that this odd practice at hiding who I was helped me adapt to a billion different social groups. Um, I was friend. I was on the football team. I was on the debate team. I was in student government. I was in the drama club. I uh, oh, had yeah, yeah, friends who were hardcore Mormon, and I had friends who drank beer on camping trips. So I just, I just learned to adapt. Yeah, um, I went to college. Had a great time in college. Took on a lot of leadership roles. Was in a fraternity, closeted as the president of a fraternity. But at this point, the thoughts that I had thought I would never acknowledge are really becoming more prominent. Yeah. And confusingly, at the same time, I started having actual relationships with women, dating, mm. uh, sexual relationships, you know, um, trying to live the life that I thought I wanted, trying to hide the life that was in my brain, all while living with, you know, leading an organization of 110 men of a Judeo-Christian principled organization. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's, uh, sounds it sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, loved the fraternity, loved college, but there was kind of a symptom that something wasn't right. Uh, I started to gain weight, like mm. a lot of weight. Um, like I got up to about three hundred and sixty-five pounds. Mm. I've always been a big guy, but that's was kind of over the top. And I remember just starting to feel kind of depressed, and I remember kind of feeling like something was just not right. And I just felt a lot of fear and anxiety. So uh, I graduated college, ended up moving to Washington, D.C. to take on an internship uh, for a senator from Idaho at the time. Mm -hmm. 
lived there for a while, was trying to figure out what am I going to do next in the world. Um, I ended up joining the Peace Corps <laughs> and uh, went to the Dominican Republic, did environmental work, and it felt so rewarding. Wow. It felt so good yeah. to work with communities who needed help, to teach, to experience something totally new, um, to take all the lenses I have. And actually in the Peace Corps, they teach you this, there's an exercise they teach you, and they read you a story about lenses and about how, really? how people see the world through different lenses. And I remember the story was about different colors of lenses. And there was the people who saw through the yellow lens and the people who saw through the blue lens. And uh, I don't remember the punchline of the story, but at some point somebody surprises everybody says, but what are you talking about? Everything's blue. And it was just this example of like, whoa, right, right. so many different people are on so right. many different pages because they can only see through their own lens and you need to learn to start to see through other people's lens. So the Peace Corps was this thing of learning to live through other people's lens. I had gotten a lot healthier by that point. Okay. Uh, I had started running and eating better and Peace Corps wouldn't let me in at my, at my old weight. So I, I got, I got healthy and I thought, Oh, things are getting better. So I started dating women again okay. <laughs> and um, just thought life was going to happen. So I moved here to Spokane, Washington after the Peace Corps. Um, I finished up one last summer in McCall and then I came up here to go to grad school and I met uh, a girl at a wedding and we dated for about a year. And at first, you know, in my world, not everybody's, uh, when you start meeting somebody, you go out for drinks and you go to dinner and you have drinks and you go to hang out with friends and you have drinks. And right. so when there's lots of drinks involved, my inhibitions were lower, everything was fine in this relationship and the physical parts of it were working just great. But after about a year, you know, you're not out drinking as much and you're just spending more time together. And I realized something was off. Mm. You know, I could feel it in my gut, in my heart, in my brain, just something was wrong. And so I went to counseling offered through my grad program at EWU. And I remember sitting down with a counselor and saying, okay, so here's the deal. I've met this girl. She's wonderful. Uh, I want to get married probably, but I've got these thoughts in my head that I need to go away. Um, mm. So whether that's electroshock therapy or a pill or, uh, you know, going away to a camp that'll, Cure me. I, okay, I need you're, to you're not exaggerating right now. Like, like not literally with electroshock therapy went through your mind. I said pills, hypnosis, electroshock or, or, or conversion camp, whatever the case is. Like, oh, like I just need this to finally go away so I can live my life hmm. and hang on. Get the, <laughs> I'm a sensitive type. <clears throat> get a little choked up. So, I remember uh, the counselor, he said, <laughs> Randy, you don't need a pill. You don't need hypnosis. There's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, you're not sick. You're gay. <laughs> and, and he said it without judgment. And he said it like in a really matter of fact way. And he said, well, the only problem is, is You've never experienced it, but based on everything you're saying, I think you're wow. telling me you're gay. Uh, 
so that was like this bombshell. And I yeah, remember, how do you how do you how do you react to that sitting right there in that moment? He says those words. Yeah. Well, you know, the things I said led to it. So, you know, I was telling him the thoughts that I had, the trap, the attractions that I had, yeah. and uh, the, you know. And so, so all the, it's kind of like when you live your life and everything's pointing in one direction, but you are just convincing yourself. No, think about it like runners, right? So people like me, I'm convincing myself I'm an endurance person and sure I did the endurance thing for a, for a short period, but this frame was just not built to be an endurance <laughs> athlete. So, and, and I think people kind of let me come to that, that own conclusion. Uh, so he, he, he let me come to that conclusion too. I remember being really mad at him. Mm. I was angry. I was angry that like he was wielding his professional degree. So just recklessly. And, mm. and I just remember not liking him, but I listened to him mm. And I felt a sense of relief when I allowed myself to contemplate what he said was true. And at some point I came out over the phone to a woman who was a mentor of mine, oddly, who had hired me to be the program director at the Christian summer camp. (laughs) And I talked to her and she also said, Brandon, you're a wonderful person. You know, if this is, if this is you, you, you've got to find out. And so she used the phrase, the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> because at 27 years old at this point, I had never had any gay sexual encounters. I, you know, so um, I'll just tell you that the moment I absolutely positively knew that I was gay and that I, that it was right. And that it was amazing Mm. to live my truth was my first kiss with a guy. Mm. So I had kissed girls and had sexual relationships. And honestly, I remember never understanding relationships. I thought, what is, what's going on? Like, what is, why are people into these relationships things? (laughs) I, I realized in the first moment when I, I kissed this guy, I saw fireworks I understood hmm. what passion was. I understood what lust was. I understood. Not, you hadn't experienced uh, any of those before. Nothing. I'd never experienced those emotions wow. before. And yeah. all of a sudden in like two seconds, I'm experiencing all of them. And it was just this amazing confirming life experience hmm. that like, yeah, I am definitely gay. Hmm. Absolutely. And, and it was freeing and it was happy. And it was like, Wow. I can't believe I've waited this long to live my truth. I've been hiding yeah. and, I, and adapting. And um, and so, yeah, I, I came out loud and proud. Um, I So right away from believed, that, I mean, like you, you make that connection and you're like, well, that's it. I'm, and then you're just out. I mean. Well, okay. That's probably a little exaggeration. I did. I had a tour of coming out. So I didn't want certain people who I had really high respect for to hear things through the grapevine. So I kind of did a two week driving tour around Idaho, Oregon, Washington, and uh, kind of the loop, Southern Idaho, Oregon, Washington, back down and kind of 
went and visited people who I wanted it to hear directly. And I told them, so that was kind of an emotional couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, every time it felt good to just tell these people who I'd respect were like, Hey, you've always known me and I'm still me, yeah. but there's a new part of me that you you're going to meet. And mm. I'm still me, but I'm me not hiding anymore. Mm. And it, I got some weird receptions. My best friend, he was actually mad at me. We didn't talk for about a day. And luckily he was dating a psychologist at the time who was like, Whoa, who are you? Like, this is your best friend. Yeah. And all he told you is that his true sexual orientation, he's still the same. He still has the same humor. He still has the same uh, style. He still has the, still talks the same way. Yeah. Uh, so he, he came around, he's like, Whoa, sorry. That was a weird reaction. We're good. Mm. Um, everybody had a interesting reaction. My mom, she took it. Okay. Um, of course she, uh, moms always blame themselves. I think they did something wrong. Uh, and of course it has nothing to do right. with that. I mean, it's just, you know, how, who I am and how I was born. And then my dad's a different story. He, uh, my dad's a very, 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 uh, ultra conservative person. Got it. And, um, when I told him he was the last on my list of people to tell in person. And when I told him, I said, dad, you're gonna be really upset when I tell you this. Um, we were actually cleaning out a garage at the time. And the garage was a mess and it needed to be cleaned. It was for my stepmom. And I said, dad, we got this task at hand and it needs to be done. I'm going to tell you something. It's going to make you really mad, but we have to clean this garage. So if you don't want to talk, you don't have to talk, but we just, you got to finish cleaning the garage. And I fully expected to be cleaning the garage for the next few hours in silence. Mm. But I told him and he got quiet. He kind of gave me this odd stern look. Uh, And then he said, well, have you, have you told Sue, which was my stepmom. I said, yeah, I told her. I said, well, you tell your mom? I said, yeah, yeah, I told her. You tell your sister? Yeah, I told her. And he said, well, who, who haven't you told? And I said, just you, dad. And he's like, why am I the last to know? And I said, dad, you've never done anything but say hurtful, close-minded things that just aren't kind about anyone who's different than you mm. my entire life. So why would I feel comfortable coming to you to tell you my truth. And my dad choked up and he doesn't choke up. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I think he, he has relaxed his views (laughs) on, on gay people because he found a way in his heart to love me. Uh, He's still just as hard on everybody else in the world. Who's different, but uh, you know, he, he, he respectful of me and my husband. And um, so, yeah, so that was, wow the journey when it comes to everybody else in the world my thought was we live in a free country the right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness it's a new age and a new era gay marriage wasn't legal at the time uh but i had some really good gay role models when i first came out uh who taught me like whoa hey late bloomer here's some things you need to know and uh so i just decided it no one gets to tell me what, who I am is wrong or that I can't live my life. And so I've always seen any effort to stifle my individual Liberty as an offense Mm. uh, and something that I will fight for, which is why I've never shied from being gay in conversation 
you know, for the, for about a 10 year period before people knew who I was, uh, a lot of people would, would, you know, ask about my girlfriend or, um, especially I've been with Victor and I've been married now for eight years together for 11 years. Mm -hmm. And I remember for the first few years of marriage, people would say, Oh, you're married. What does your wife do? Just very common. Just, I mean, that's just how people talk. And I just like, Oh, it's my husband. So some people would think like, oh, that's your chance to just be subtle or to not correct the person. And I'm always the person to say, nope, it's my husband, Victor. He's great. Yeah. Uh, and that's that served me well because it's always created a very clear boundary with people with uh, I'm not going to judge you and I have no expectations that you're going to judge me. But if you do, you know, that's that's your deal, not mine. Yeah. Um, by this time, I'm in Spokane. Uh I graduated with my master's in urban planning from Eastern Washington University. Um, I had always moved plant, especially after coming out, I was going to go to Seattle or Portland and be with the fellow gays and the liberal safe havens of the coast. Yeah. Uh, but was that, was that a community kind of thing or was that a, I mean, like you said, you're a late bloomer. Was that like a learning kind of thing for you? It was both. It was to be, I knew the community was there and I knew that I would learn I knew that I would just continue evolving in a fun, safe atmosphere of like-minded okay. people of the community and allies. But I, I graduated with a master's in planning during the Great Recession. Uh-huh. Well, in civic government, urban planners are the first people to get laid off because when 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 the mayor of a city is trying to keep police on the street and fire out protecting people, yeah. they don't care what's happening twenty years in the future. They'll hire them back when the economy comes back. So every planner on the entire West Coast was laid off. So I realized it's my time to hunker down here in Spokane and uh, just um, hold hold tight. Mm. Well, during that time, I met a ton of cool people. I expanded my network. I had had an internship in the mayor's office uh, under Mary Verner. Uh, I worked on the Sustainability Action Plan Task Force with her. Uh, I was a bartender at the Steelhead Bar and Grill. Uh, so I was just living a fun late yeah. 20s, yeah, early 30s yeah, yeah. life. And after a while, I just was like, wow, Spokane's awesome. There's four beautiful seasons. Uh, it's affordable. It's a short trip to go visit the coast. It's a, I'm yeah. closer to family than I would have otherwise been. And then uh, I met Victor and we moved him to Spokane. And we've been together ever since. We're on our second house. We're about to <laughs> remodel the exterior. Uh, there was some Iron Man and and running there just it, sprinkled for a right few in years. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is uh, a pretty good yeah depiction of of my story. So um, okay, when you when you talk about you know that it's you and you and Victor have been together for eleven years, been married for eight. Now help me with the time frame here because I'm 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 not so good with this. But I mean that was you were married if I'm doing a math right. Prior to legalization of marriage, we've been married twice. (laughs) Got it. Okay. So we got engaged in 2000. Let's see. I'm going to mess up the math here. I had known Victor. I know. (laughs) I I know. So I met Victor. Here we go. I got it. I got it. Okay. I met Victor in November of 2009. And we dated for a few for a couple months, broke up because uh, he also was just coming out in life. And oh, really? We just thought, hey, you need to go. I know what it feels like to come out and need to experience life. 
it would be hard for you to come out in a relationship. So, so we broke up stupid decision on my part, mm. horrible decision. And about eight weeks later, I was begging him to take me back. Mm. <laughs> I just said, Hey, that okay. was a so, dumb call. Sorry. Sorry. This is like, this, yeah. this is kind of, I mean, this is just, yeah. So you guys are together, but he's, when you're saying he's coming out, like he isn't like, he's still closeted at this point, but you yeah. guys are together. And then he's so, in the process of, of coming out to everyone. Yeah. Okay. So I came out when I was 27. I met Victor right before I turned 29. So I had, you know, just under two years of being out. Uh, and like I said, I was out and proud. And uh, we met um, through an online gay dating service. And um, there's some really forward people on some of these dating services that really <laughs> kind of show all their cards, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't. I had my face pick up there, Smiley Brandon, very respectful, you know, looking to date. Um, and so he reached out to me because he said I sounded like a nice, responsible, safe, <laughs> normal person. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so he came. But then in the course of getting to know each other, I kind of realized uh, he's not out. Mm. Um, and But he's cool and we get along and we just had a really strong connection. So I thought, well, this is no big deal. So we dated for a couple months and then I really started to get feelings for him. And I thought, well, first of all, I'm not going to date somebody who's in the closet. Cause to me, that speaks to your own self-confidence and your own self-worth. You need to just be yourself. But the other thing was when, and he was going to do it, but when he did that, I just knew, I just felt like there were going to be a bunch of problems coming. And so I said, you need the space to do this on your own. Uh, so we, we need to, you know, take a break. And like I said, he went and did his thing and we were fit and Facebook was kind of new to me at the yeah, time, yeah. And, but we were Facebook friends. And I just remember every photo I saw of him that scrolled through my screen on Facebook, he's smiling and laughing, having this great time. And I just thought, you're an idiot, Brandon, <laughs> like your, your coming out process doesn't have to be his coming out process. Um, and he's a wonderful person and you should do anything and everything you can to get him back. So luckily we did, we got back together and he moved here to Spokane mm. and uh, he's doing great. Got his, got a job. He's full-time employed, full-time going to school and doing a startup company right now. So oh, he's awesome. and fully out, fully out. Yeah. He's <laughs> came out to his family. Um, they were loving and supportive. He had a good coming out to his friends. Mm. And I think he totally came into his own and just blossomed. I mean, he was always a wonderful person, Yeah. but to see the true unique self that he too had hidden, has been a, a, a real honor to be around over the last wow. 11 years. Okay. I have a couple of questions. Is that just yeah. kind of um, follow-up stuff from, from yeah. stuff you were saying? Um, the first thing I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking and, and I'm and you're, you're talking about how conservative your family is. I mean, you, you're living in like arguably the most conservative place in the entire country, you know, small mm -hmm. town, Idaho um, yeah. amongst the LDS community and, you know, Good, bad, or ugly, it again, even amongst religious communities, it, it's it's incredibly conservative. And like you were mm -hmm. you were talking about too. So, you know, and even to the point where you're telling your, you know, your counselor that, you know, you you know you're mentally ill, you know, because you're having gay thoughts, you know, or, yeah. or inclinations, even whatever else. Yeah. All of and in and you then coming out, you know, what'd you say, 27? Yeah. Yeah that's a lot of baggage. I mean, that's an incredible <laughs> amount of baggage. Yeah. 
Now, you strike me, and you've struck me from the time I, I first met you and fit you for shoes at the store. I mean, just yep. as a, just like a super confident guy. Um, and, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's part of you learning to fit in with anywhere, you know, or whatever else. But I mean, you just always struck me that way. Are there parts of like all of that 27 years of ultra conservative baggage that you still like deal with? Or when you, you've also got this kind of interesting thing. And I know this is going on to like a really long run on sentence question, but you know, you've also got this thing too, where like you, like you kind of had this, it sounds like you really had this sense of like, yeah, I just, I just don't believe in that. Even when like you were in junior high, you know, you know, and, yeah. and being fully involved in churches and that kind of stuff, which again, it talks to a little different nature of you. So yeah. does that, does that come with you or do you just, are you able to just like, to just lay that down and be like, yeah, that's, I can see that for the bullshit that it was now and on you go. Yeah. So a couple of things there. Yes. I came from a super ultra conservative place, very religious, but my, my, I had the influence of my dad and my, sorry, my mom and my stepdad. And they would, I think if you had to classify them politically would be labor union Democrats. Okay. And so my stepdad worked for the railroad. And so, you know, that group has its own lens and how they see sure. the world, but to be a Democrat in a very conservative community made me feel like, okay, it's okay to be a little bit different from everyone else. Just not too different. Right. You know? Right. Right. Like, right. You know, he's a respectable labor Democrat and hardworking, you know, supports his fellow employees. That's it. That's it. I yeah. was like, okay, I get it. You can, you can, you can do that. So I always had a good example of it's okay to be different in terms of just, you know, my dad always, all my family have said, who, who are you and where did you come from? <laughs> because I don't, <laughs> I'm not like anybody else in my family. Okay. Um, so I'm just me. And I think the confidence thing, I think you're right. There's a big dotted line to the part of my life chart that's fitting in where you need to, because the best way to fit in is to relate quickly with people and to relate quickly with people, people, you can't be afraid of them. You've got to, you got to look them in the eye and you got to ask them questions about their context, their life, their family, their beliefs, and find the ways where you have some connections and you build that relationship. Right. Um, And honestly, that trait has served me better than any other mm. trade out there. So I've never been afraid to walk up to somebody and shake their hand. I mean, I'm naturally an extrovert. So, you know, I, I love people. I like to be around people. Yeah. If you haven't, I haven't really let you get a word in edgewise. So, you know, I like to talk. <laughs> um, so then uh, on your last point about the baggage, Oh, I got baggage. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of baggage. I think, um, I mean, I think all people have baggage. And we all just have to learn how to how to deal with it. Um, when I think about, particularly when I think about religion, I don't think it's bullshit. You know, um, I think it's an individual relationship that I don't understand, uh, and that there is um, there's a lot of beauty in true faith. And like I've said, I've always been jealous of people who have that, Mm. that true faith. And when I hear people talk about the love of Christ and being embraced by Christ and knowing that their life's on the right track, because that, like, I'm like, man, that must feel amazing, but I don't feel it. I've tried to feel it Mm. and I'm not going to convince myself otherwise, because it feels disingenuous to myself to not let it just be totally natural. 
so, so then I think when I, about religion and when people want you to live their religion and teach you their faith and, and they want their faith to be the, um, moral standard for how I should live, I immediately think like, whoa, like you, you can't make me live an untrue life. Yeah. Like I tried, I tried and it, it just, it's just not me. Um, and I really truly believe in individual liberty. And so why would somebody want to take my liberty away by having me live my untruth through their lens? Mm. And that's just always struck me as I, I can't let that happen to me and I shouldn't let that happen to, to others. Yeah. And so I've always, I love people who have love in their faith and their religion, but they don't let that negatively impact those around them who may be different, yeah. different religion, different race, different background, different sexuality, different uh, uh, gender identity. Yeah. Um, just let people be, be themselves and yeah. love how you want to love. Mm. You know, it, I'm again, I'm just kind of as you're ta- as you're saying this, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about you describing, you know, your uh, church experience. And, and I'm, again, just so struck by that being your experience. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is this is me talking for me right now, not trying yeah. to, you know, put something on you or whatever. But it's just like, I mean, I, I look and and again, I was I, I was raised Christian. I was a pastor for nine years. Um, mm-hmm. I have an interesting relationship with it now, but this mm-hmm. isn't my story. This is yours. So we won't go mm-hmm. into that. <laughs> I, I want to hear yours, man. I can't wait. I'll be listening during your episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm just like, I, uh, that's just like a, that's just like a foreign kind of concept to me, you know, that, you know, for you to have that kind of experience. And so um, I for like, for me, I'm like, I'm in, I'm intrigued, you know, not just by your story, but I'm intrigued by that group of people. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm like, like I, is Cabellians? Yeah, I kind of want to get to, I kind of want to get to know them a little bit now and see if this is like, if this is an overall thing or if this mm-hmm. was just, you know, this this one group of people that kind of had some stuff figured out over here. You yeah, know? <laughs> you know, the Episcopal Church is the first U.S. church to ordain a gay bishop. I did know that, and so again, I I knew there was this. This fluidity of thought and and ability to you know embrace change and you know and all that kind of stuff too, um, yeah you know it's just still the it, but that's one thing it's one thing I don't know why I'm doing it's like I'm trying to you know have this uh, almost like this uh, debate with you about whether it's or something but it's not that it's just again really being struck by how different of an experience you had, you know, because there's, you know, there's, there's that difference of thought and there's the, the theology differences and doctrine differences that kind of go around, but that you experience like such genuineness from a community of people who you were Mm -hmm. living with and, Mm -hmm. and like engaged with on a regular basis. That's what's like, I mean, that's, that's powerful. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm like, there's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, intrigued by their belief system because it, uh-huh. it led to that. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, and you know, I look, I have nothing but like, sometimes I wish I were Episcopalian, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I think technically I am, is yeah. that I'm confirmed. I mean, like I, I would go back, you know, like, yeah, but is it kind of like the with- kiss too? I mean, there's, there's no fireworks. 
right? There is that is what no you're, fireworks. Is, is that kind of it's a, a similar different. thing or is it? That's a good point. It's really different. To me, it's like history class. Mm. Um, it's a way to listen to other people's beliefs. And, and, you know, the Bible has great lessons, whether you believe in the miracles of Christ. Right. He teaches really good ways to live your life and how to treat yeah, other people. Absolutely. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. And, you know, the other church that I've always been a big fan of, and I think Victor and I talk and we're really not motivated to, to go to church because we don't have that faith. But yeah. like, I, I do miss the community, the universal Unitarians. Mm. Um, I'm so intrigued because what I've heard about their, their approach is that they don't expect a, um, you know, they don't expect pure unobstructive faith in one idea. Mm. They just, uh, in they, they influence, um, uh, they, want people to explore all the different ideas sure. yeah. uh, from all the religions. Yeah. I just think that's really yeah. a really cool idea. Yeah. So I, I don't, I'm not a negative on religion. Yeah. I, I get defensive though, when religion gets pushed on me or pushed into like, sure. formal application of laws. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, um, you know, I, I told you that there's these three questions I like to ask people and, and yeah. you'd kind of touched on one of those in, in one of your answers to your question when, when we were emailing. So, um, uh, so I just like to ask you, you know, when, when, when we talk about lenses and, you know, I, I put out there that I'm identifying my lenses all the time and, you know, I, you know, white cisgendered heterosexual, you know, yeah. PNW born and raised, you know, there's all that kind of Christian influence, all that kind of stuff. What's the one thing that, uh, that those with my lenses have done that have made life difficult for you in, at any point in time in the, in the journey? Yeah. So I've experienced everything from uh, personal insults. Um, well, I think, you know, being told that I'm mentally ill, um, yeah. you know, that, 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 was, that was pretty hard. Um, you know, I've been insulted. I've been called a faggot. I've been called horrible names. Uh, I remember being spit on uh, at least two different times. Mm. Um, uh, I think that the the most challenging thing that someone from with those lenses has done is try to indoctrinate the world that their way is the only way. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I don't fit in that way. Yeah, and and so. I'm being asked, I'm being set up for failure. Mm. You know, I can't be uh, a straight man, you know, and I can't and won't force myself to believe something that doesn't feel real to me. Yeah. So, so I, I think that's, and, and so whether that's through making laws that make you conform to that, that's made it challenging. Or uh, that limits you in your expression or yeah. yeah. job limit discrimination. Your rights, I, limit your, yeah. Yeah, at jobs, you know, I mean, mm. it was just two weeks ago, the federal government passed a law that, or interpreted a law that you can't fire somebody simply for being gay. Two weeks ago is 2020, you know, I had it not blows my mind. My, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Supreme yeah. Court just ruled uh, a couple weeks ago that oh. um, sexual orientation is a protected, uh, protected class mm. for employment. Uh, Washington State's been that way for a long time, but there are plenty of states who somebody who doesn't agree with you know, if their lens doesn't match your lens, yeah. they could just fire you for it. We don't have so, any so that's, systemic that's, issues though. That was the last yeah. one. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Okay. So uh, what's the one thing that you, 
in, in this, I'm stopping mid-sentence because this is going to be really interesting for me, actually, because I, I feel like you've been on both sides, right? Like you, you've lived, you know, a good chunk of your life um, yeah. as someone with my lenses, you know, uh -huh. and then you've lived this whole other chunk of your life as someone with, you know, that's taken on a, a very different lens that has colored the entire world in a different way. So in that transition and thinking about that, what's one thing that you wish the rest of us would just get? Like, just, I just wish you'd just get this about it. About my lens. Um, or life in general. I mean, because you're, again, your lens has probably opened up a, a ton of perspective too. I mean. I think the thing that I just like, what don't you get about? You can't control me. You know, you, you can't, you can't stop other people. And so, and I guess that's, I keep coming back to that because to me, that's the lens that you did, the lens that I come from, everybody needs to fit, you know, particularly for example, in the LDS church, women have a very specific yeah. role and they do those roles and men have very specific roles and they do those roles. Um, yeah. And then you know, religion aside in conservative America, I feel like men do manly things and women do womenly things. Um, you know, but people are different and we, people don't conform to norms. And so what you don't get is stop trying to make everybody fit a norm yeah. and just allow people to be their individual free selves seeking happiness in their lives. Cause that's what we're all here to do. Yeah. You know, I mentioned earlier, like one of my passion is to live a meaningful life. And it's, it's a little different than I think the way you took it. It's like a point of concern for me because mm. I, I constantly question everything I'm doing. And I'm like, is this because I don't have faith, I'm not living for something later, but what am I living for? I don't know. Okay. Am I living to live my best life? Am I living to leave a, am I living to leave a legacy? Um, whatever the case is, it's mine and I'm making it and I can't and won't conform to yeah. a lens because somebody thinks that that's right. Hmm. So that's like, I hope that answers the question. No, it totally. Yeah, no, very much so. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so the, the last question I have is a really important one to me. Um, and, and it's about, um, uh, advocacy. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, that I think those with my lenses and, and even more so those with my, uh, you know, makeup within my lenses have that when, when we see something and we identify with that, something needs to change with that, then jump in and almost like take it over for, you know, mm -hmm. and like, we're going to, we're going to fix this. We're going to rescue uh -huh. the situation. We're going to all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, when, when you think of, you know, needing allies within the, the queer community and, in, and advocacy within the queer community, what are the ways that you think are most appropriate um, to come alongside and, and, and help to support as opposed to like try, coming in and, and trying to mm -hmm. fix or take over? Does that make yeah. sense? What I, I mean, totally, yeah. totally. And I have like a, controversial answer. Um, so allies are so critical because social movements don't happen with just the, the, uh, whatever minority group 
we're talking about, yeah. whether that's the gays or people of color or a religious minority, the fewer numbers don't make the change. Mm-hmm. It's when the fewer numbers ally with, with bigger groups. So tons of wonderful gay allies along the way. The entertainment community has just been an amazing ally. And there's so many strong women entertainers who have been huge allies to the gay community who I hope the world learns, you know, what, you know, Bette Mittler and Cher and Madonna and um, gosh, and so many in today's yeah. world, Lady Gaga, like what yeah. they've done yeah, for yeah, the community. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, here's the controversial thing. If I were to prioritize the most important ally for my community, it's open-minded, straight Christian men. Mm. And that is the most important ally for us because that group, if they can see and understand what it is that my community needs, in my community, I say very broadly, they are the ones that can communicate with those who I can't communicate with and who don't see things the way I do and think mm. that I'm wrong and I need to change. So to me that, you know, the, 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 the straight men, Christian and straight women too. But, but I guess the thing that priority, I would prioritize men is that it takes a man who, it takes a straight man who's very comfortable in his sexuality and, or a, a man who's not afraid to, um, show sensitivity and care and feelings. Um, in, in, in Latin culture, they call it machismo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, i in the United States, I've heard the term toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, I think that the guy that I'm picturing in case I'm kind of picturing you, <laughs> it's well, this guy who can respect his own. Um, uh, at least this is what you've always, per- I perceived you to be is somebody who has their own beliefs, but, uh, respects me as a person mm. and respects my right to live my life. And so, so I, I think that is probably one of the most important ally groups I can think of. Mm. Wow. I, um, you know, I, when I th- started thinking about this podcast, you know, and this has been God, probably 10 or 11 interviews ago now, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I really had like this, uh, almost like this aggressive kind of, uh, thing about it where I, I wanted to almost attack the white male community, my, those with my mm-hmm. lenses. And I, mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to, to shove things in their faces, you know, and in, 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 in my face also at the same time. Right. Um, and you know, I had this, you know, really gritty name for the podcast and all that kind of stuff. And, I had the very first conversation with a with a close friend of mine who's a lesbian, um, and just talking about her story and and talking about her her journey with her family and coming out and all that kind of stuff. And I got to the end of that, and I was like, "There's no way this is what that is. You know, this is this is this has become something just like profoundly beautiful to me. I mean, it's like." opened up like a, like a rose garden, you know? I mean, it's just like profoundly beautiful to me and the stories that come and the, and the people willing to share their lives and and all that kind of stuff is just, I mean, it's, it's moving to me. I get emotional, you know, listening to my own conversations for crying out loud, you know, Mm, (laughs) know, the, the, the things that are being communicated and things are being shared and all that kind of stuff. And, 
And I just want you to know that I, I just so appreciate you being a part of that with me. Um, it's a, it's a learning opportunity. It's a, I really hope it's a growth opportunity, you know, for others, like you're saying to be able to gather allies together and advocates. Right. But more than anything, I'm just, I feel like profoundly blessed that, that you're willing to share your story with me. Um, so thank you. Well, thank you, Casey. I, I gotta tell you, I, I think what you're doing is so important. Um, I, I'm so moved by the fact that you're actually doing something right. So many of us think about the frustrations in the world and how we can't get along. And, you know, there's times where I feel like I'm just, I give up and I'm just going to live my life. And, um, and, and you, people like you are actually taking action to, to fix something. And so, uh, it's an honor to be a part of it. Um, wow, pretty therapeutic to, to go through that. I don't go through that story that way very often. So there you go. Uh, that felt really good. And I also feel extremely safe, uh, Casey. You're such a respectful, kind, and uh, warm person to, to be around. Thank so thank, thank you. you for letting me, you know, share my share my info in, in a cool place. And I can't wait to watch your other episodes and, right and, and catch up on what I've been missing. Awesome.